Three Trips Ahead is brought to you by redtag.ca. Plan your perfect winter trip today. Got no time to face no facts. So I'll end up tomorrow, I don't know. The most spontaneous trip I ever took was one I took years ago, a few days before New Year's. I was out on a double date with my boyfriend at the time, as opposed to all the boyfriends I have now, and uh, a couple we had set up for the evening. And we had such a good time that we decided to drive from Toronto to Buffalo to an after-hours dance club. And after that, we decided to spontaneously drive to Florida. It's just a couple of credit cards and the clothes on our back. Believe it or not, we lasted several days. We made it as far south as Fayetteville, South Carolina, before we turned around. By New Year's, we ended up in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania at an old honeymooners resort. The resort was old, not the honeymooners. Well, actually, they were kind of old, too. And the other couple, the one that we had set up, they hated each other so much at this point. Or rather, she hated him. And, well, to this day, we refer to the place as the poke. Uh, no. True story. This is Three Trips Ahead, a travel podcast that focuses so much on where you're going, but how you get there. And I'm your host, Maureen Holloway. Any trip starts with an idea, a decision, or a destination. And whether it's Milwaukee or the Amalfi Coast, Buffalo or the Poconos, you have to figure out the best way to get there. To help us find the best way, we have Kaylee Aline, a travel journalist who wrote the book on how to get there and how to get back. Kaylee, I try to plan three trips ahead. That's why this show is called Three Trips Ahead. Perfect. Do you? Yeah, I think I'm always kind of looking at, you know, where I'm going, what I want to do, where I should go first so I can plan it. Like how I kind of got into this industry was I've always been a big traveler, backpacking, you know, taking trips after uh, university and everything. And I guess my three trips ahead was when I got my first job, I had three weeks vacation and I had planned those three trips in those three weeks vacation by the time I was hired. What were they? So in my first year, that's when I went to Australia for two weeks. I did a weekend in um, Washington. And then I also did a mini Euro trip to visit a friend who was doing an exchange in Paris. And we did Amsterdam. Nice. Yeah. So I use all my vacation to the nth degree to kind of get everything. Same, same. Yeah. So Kaylee... Let's start with flights. When, and this is a loaded question, when is the best time to book what? Flights. Okay, so it really depends. You know, if you know where you're going on a vacation a year in advance, book it in a year in advance because you'll have the options, you'll have the best prices, and you have that way that you can design your vacation. But if you're like everyone else in the world, we usually don't plan that early. So my golden rule is, you know, two to three months, Mark, because then you'll still get good flight prices. They're still a little low, and you're not getting that skyrocketing of prices when you're trying to fly the next day or something. So that is the worst. Last minute is absolutely the worst. You know what? Last minute is the worst if you're really picky about what you're doing. If you're open to kind of go wherever, do whatever route, last minute will actually get you some deals. There's always last-minute flight deals, last-minute tour deals, all that kind of thing. But you have to be a little bit flexible. So if you have your heart set on one destination, last-minute might not be the right option for you. I find, and I use a lot of the apps, but I find that the fluctuation is usually not more than $100. No, it's pretty nominal. And at the end of the day, you kind of have to budget out, you know, what's that $100 worth if you might not get, you know, that four tickets for your family. Is it worth your time to be on these apps for hours and hours? Yep. 
So kind of it, they're a good way to see what the base price is. And, you know, if it's fluctuating between, let's say, seven and $800, when it's about $750, maybe that's your time to book. Mm-hmm. But if you see it up at maybe $1,200, maybe wait a little longer. So they're good for monitoring. Another one I really love is Skyscanner. Have you ever used no, that? No, tell me about it. So Skyscanner is cool because you can have the month view. So I used it a lot when I was living in Europe on exchange because I'd want to pop away to, you know, France for a weekend or do all these different trips. But I realized it was cheaper to go the second weekend in May versus the fourth weekend of May. So it was a great way just to see how the pl- uh, the prices and flights fluctuate throughout the month. And then you can plan your trip accordingly. Mm. Uh, tell me about how these sites monitor you. Say. Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, when you go online shopping, you kind of have those ads that pop up. The same thing will happen with your flights and your hotels and anything you're looking at. They're monitoring your cookies. They're tracking your patterns. So if you're really, you know, searching that one destination over and over again, you might get an email a couple of weeks later being like, oh, the flight prices are yeah. dropping, e- book now. So there's no way to kind of avoid that. You know, there's you can go incognito on certain um, different browsers and that helps you a little bit. But at the end of the day, they're still kind of monitoring what you're doing. So my recommendation is when you're finally ready to book the flight or the hotel or anything that's kind of a big ticket item like that, I say look on your own computer, maybe look on your partner's or a friend's computer, have them on the phone and have them do the same search and see if there's a price discrepancy, and then if you want to take an extra step further, download their app. Because huh. I find these apps actually offer sometimes, you know, 20 to 30% off when it comes to especially hotel rooms because they know that there are booking deals. They want to incentivize you using the app, downloading it, and kind of being ingrained in that. So it's helpful to have that. And I think it's also worthwhile to look at, you know, these flight booking sites like the online travel agents, but also the directly at the airlines, because I think these airlines are kind of getting a little bit sappy too, and they want you to use their website and sign up for their newsletters. So they're trying to lower their own prices on their own website too. Interesting. So in order, flights first, then hotels? Yeah, that's what I usually do as a rule of thumb, just because your flights usually is that large the, the big, large ticket the large ticket item and if i know that i'm spending 500 on a flight or 1500 on a flight then i'm going to be able to base the budget of my trip from that then you're able to budget your trip accordingly so maybe you're going to do you know hostels for the, the first week of your trip and then you're going to do five stars or something really more lavish for your last few days because you know you have that budget for it so you can really kind of play around with how you want your trip to go so I would imagine the opposite to be true if you're planning a trip from New York City to Toronto. Yeah. Your hotel accommodations are going to be a lot more than your than your, uh, than your your airfare. Yeah. Well, and I, one actually travel hack that I figured out, which they probably hate me for saying this, but with a flight like New York City from Toronto, and the same thing goes, let's say, in L.A. from Vancouver, or depending wherever you are based and you're, you have that kind of those business flights or the flights that are every hour – I always book the first flight of the day because it tends to be the cheapest because not a lot of people want to go at 6.30 in the morning. And it's happened to me multiple times where everyone books that flight or all the business travelers are wanting to go and they oversell flights and everyone shows Mm -hmm. up. And so they offer ticket vouchers if you want to bump your flight. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do that if I'm going to, let's say, Barbados because there's only one flight a day that goes to Barbados and that messes up my entire trip. But New York, it means maybe an hour, two hours longer in the airport and I get a ticket voucher to redeem for another travel. So it's a great way when you have that flexibility and there is that influx of flights, they'll book you on the next available flight instead of being there at 7.30, you're there at 8.30 or 9.30. So it's not going to affect your trip too much. Likewise, I've heard in connecting flights are a whole other topic. We could mm-hmm. spend an hour talking about nightmare situations with that. But yeah. I have been told that if you are making, never book the last flight on the first part of your connecting flight because if anything goes wrong, you're stuck yeah. overnight. 
Yeah. And I think you, one of the biggest mistakes that people do is not having enough time between connecting flights. 45 minutes, you're not going to make it. I, even the best traveler, you're not going to make it. I leave at least two hours. Because really? if you're connecting, let's say you're going from Vancouver to LA or even Toronto out to LA to head to Australia, you have to go through security. You have to pick up your bags. That can take a bit of time. And let's say there's a 10 minute delay on the tarmac. There's, you know, your 45 minutes or more. So I think it's really worth it to have at least an hour and a half to two hours in between just to kind of keep it stress-free. And my other thing is if you can on a connecting flight, try to bring carry-on only Mm. because I've had so many situations where my connecting flight is canceled or I miss it because my departing flight is delayed because of weather. But because I had all my baggage with me, they were able to put me on the next flight or reroute me or whatever. But if you don't have all your bags with you, you have to go pick it up and then go to the ticket agent and see what's available. And it just adds a bit more time to the whole process. Right. So how do you save money when you're building an itinerary and planning the activities that you want to do? You know, when you're planning that out, I think it's just kind of mapping out your days. Like I usually look at, you know, I have a week vacation time and I really want to go to Costa Rica. And I'm going to plan out, well, I really like the mountains and I want to see the rainforest and I want to go zip lining. And I think what you have to do to really save money in the planning process is to figure out, one, what's the most efficient route so you're not circling around the country and wasting gas Two, you know, does it make more sense to take public transit and the buses around or are you going to places a little off that kind of beaten path and it's actually more expensive to take trains and uh-huh. buses because you're going to be looping around and maybe I'll rent a car. So I think that's a big thing. Um, your activities are a huge thing. So, you know, I think a lot of Canadians love to go to all-inclusive and cruises and that's great. Sitting around the pool drinking is an activity. And yeah, getting a little mind. bit yeah. of t- uh, sand, uh, sand and tan and sun and all that. But a lot of the times, you, what you're paying for is your accommodation and your food, an airfare if it's an all-inclusive, but usually airfares on top if it's a cruise. But what you think about is your excursion. So in that planning process, you really want to figure out, well, is my trip actually going to be $2,000 or is it going to be five once mm-hmm. I do all the excursions? Is there a way that I can plan these on my own? Or I'm going to this all-inclusive, but I really want to go dune bugging or something really just right. you know off the beaten path. Or I want to go snorkeling. Should I do it with the hotel or is there a local tour operator that I can go with and save a little bit of money there? Uh, I'm going to throw travel agents out as a, as a yeah. topic. I mean, but we've really reached a point now where do-it-yourself travel seems to be the way to go. When is it a good idea to use a travel agent? You know, I love travel agents when it comes to a destination that's maybe a little bit off the beaten path. I think there are certain destinations that are easy to navigate on your own. A European trip? easy. You can plan it your own. You can figure it on yourself. You can, they've got a better train system than we do. Mm -hmm. You can navigate your way around. But when it comes to maybe a destination like the Middle East or South America, where there could be a language barrier, there could be even like a alphabet barrier when we're talking about different kind of areas of the world where they use different lettering systems than us. So reading a street sign is a little bit more tricky. That's when having a travel agent is good because then they can vet everything out. They can plan it for you. They can maybe set you up with a driver to take you around and make that experience a little you know, stress-free and just more relaxing for you. So it's worth that extra cost. What's the difference between a tour operator and a travel agent? So a tour operator would be something like your Trafalgar, your Insight Vacations, your Intrepid Travel, your G-Adventures. So they are the ones that plan a trip and you buy into the trip. So they're the ones that you are, let's say you want to do Jordan and Egypt, and they have an eight-day package, and you're buying into going as a group and a group travel to their destinations, going as a group, and, you know, they have all their accommodation activities set up for you. 
Whereas a travel agent is going to be doing it a little bit more curated for what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And it's usually when you're the only group you're traveling with is the group that you left with. So whether that's your family or your partners or your friends. So with a group tour company, you're usually paired with strangers or other people. But that's often a really good option if you're a solo traveler because you can meet new people. There's women's only tours. It's really, really cool. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Kaylee's going to tell us about the most incredible itinerary that she has planned for her parents. While you're listening to this, you're probably thinking about planning a trip of your own. Operating for almost 15 years, redtag.ca is the place to go when you're looking to book travel. Redtag.ca gives Canadians access to a wide range of travel products with leading tour operators, airlines, hotels, car rentals, cruises, and activities. From last-minute getaways, where you can save up to 50% off, to trips planned out months in advance using their lowest price calendar, Redtag.ca has the insight and expert knowledge to give travelers the best prices available. Plus, Redtag.ca has partnered with AirMiles. AirMiles collectors are able to earn miles when booking a vacation package through Redtag.ca rewarding travelers to help them get to their next vacation sooner. Whether you prefer booking online at redtag.ca or calling one of their travel professionals, Redtag is here to help you with all of your travel needs. Redtag.ca experts know what travelers need for their vacations and will help ensure that you have all the proper documents and information to make your trip as seamless as possible and cover you while in destination. Redtag is here to help you plan your perfect trip every step of the way. They've combined great people with technology to ensure each customer experience exceeds your expectation. Visit redtag.ca or call 1-866-5-RED-TAG to plan your perfect trip. So Kaylee, how do you go about planning an itinerary without a travel guide? Um, so a couple weeks ago, my parents decided that they're going on a cruise, but they wanted to extend a little longer and see the Amalfi Coast because it's on their bucket list. Nice. And they were hit with kind of a big cost from the travel agent that was associated with the cruise of what it looked like. And they kind of came to me as their travel journalist daughter and asking, is this really what we should be paying or can we do it for less? And we broke it down and, you know, we really looked at how much time they had, when it made more sense to go, and then we planned out the route. So when you're talking about, you know, stepping back and planning that trip, you want to look at how many days you have, what destinations you're going to, and then how you can work through it. So we figured out from where they were going, it actually made more sense to book their flights and do this little Amalfi jaunt before their cruise because their cruise was leaving from Rome. So they're flying from Toronto to I think it's Munich, Munich to Naples, and then they start there. And then we are doing a what we call a tours by locals. So it's a, a new tour operator that pairs local people to the destination, and they're actually helping them with their, you know, transportation. So that alleviated needing to get a private driver, but they could actually get to Naples, Pompeii, and then head to the Mafia Coast. Once they're in the Mafia Coast, they leave that tour guide, and then they were able to plan a few days of hiking and relaxing, and then we circle back to Sorrento, a few days there, and then they train all the way from Sorrento to Rome. And in that planning process, we were looking at what was on their bucket list, what they wanted to do, and how much money they had to do it. But it's planning out, well, you know what, you might need two days here, three days there. And it's that whole puzzle of how it kind of works out. But then also looking at what they're like as travelers. You know, my parents are adventurous, but they're not going to travel carry-on. So they might not want to, you know, take a bus to Pompeii and put their suitcase in a in a locker. But having that tour guide there made a difference. And then it's also figured out with budget that because they didn't have to pay that extra cost for, let's say, a travel agent to plan this for them, 
uh, and they have that extra budget, they actually splurge a little bit on hotels. And it's finding hotels that were nearby, had the amenities they were looking for, that were, you know, in a great location. And I think it's just scaling back. So how I usually plan is I lay out my week in kind of, let's say, a chart or a calendar. I kind of jot down where I want to go, what I want to do, and then I kind of fit it in well. I need two days in Positano, but I only need one day in Sorrento, but I need three days in Rome. And then you're kind of fitting it all together. And then from there, you can use stuff like, let's say, Skyscanner. If you were doing a multiple destination in, say, Europe, you can figure out where it might be cheaper. Or maybe you're using the trains to see, well, the trains only leave at 8 a.m. and I need to get there at noon. or you know, And you can figure it out based on that. But I think you're really just kind of putting together all those different pieces and laying it out on a very rough thing. And then you're booking your flights and then you're booking everything. Because I think you want to make sure that, you know, if it's a bucket list destination that you're getting to all those places that you want to go to and you're seeing all the things and you're not feeling rushed. What a fabulous itinerary. Yeah, I can plan your next trip. I think I might want you to. Uh, Is it possible just to go and be foot free and fancy loose, loose, foot loose and fancy free? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I really think it is. I think, again, it boils down to what destination you're going to and kind of you know, what you want to do. My rule of thumb is I usually book flights, hotels, and then I kind of leave everything up to chance. If I'm going somewhere like an LA or a New York or a London or a Paris and I really want to try a restaurant, maybe I'll book it. But usually meals, I like to see what other people recommend, what I stumble upon, where there's a line, what people are doing, and keeping that kind of footloose and fancy free. I also like to just kind of wander destinations. So I'll jot down a short list of here are the top tourist attractions or here are the things that interest me. And then I like to wander my way through the city and kind of walk and explore a little bit. Last question, Kaylee. What do you need to think about before you leave? Do you have a a planning checklist of some things that are easy to forget about? So what you need to know before you leave, I think one of the biggest things is your travel insurance. So whether you're getting that through your bank or a credit card or something. It's very confusing. It's very confusing. And it's even more confusing kind of like the longer you travel, the older you get, the more pre-existing medical conditions you have and all those little things, but sort it out before you go because it'll be even more confusing if something happens on the other end. So, you know, with my credit card, I have automatically 21 days of coverage. and I'm never traveling more than 21 days consecutively. But if you are, let's say, a snowbird or you're going on exchange or anything a little bit more extended, you want to make sure you have the coverage for that. Let me just ask you, you have to yeah. use the credit card that gives you the 21 days coverage. You have to use that credit card to book the travel. Usually. And that's one of something you have to kind of look into like the nitty gritty because some right. you do, some you don't. Okay. I think it's safer if you do just in mm-hmm. case so Absolutely. they don't get you on a little nuance <laughs> there. But yeah, so there's that insurance. There's also travel cancellation insurance if you're interested. There are credit cards now that even have mobile insurance. So if you drop your phone while taking a selfie, you're covered on your trip. Um, so I think insurance is a really, really big thing just to make sure that you're covered in case there is you know, an issue out there. And I guess like the rule of thumb is that whatever, if you are traveling for 22 days and you only buy 21, something's going to happen on the 22nd day. So you need to make sure that you're covered for the entire time. So I think that's a big thing. Um, I think it's also, you know, registering for travel advisories. So Global Affairs Canada, which is part of the Canadian federal government, has a travel alert app and you can um, sign up for email alerts. So whether you're going to you know, somewhere that's a little bit more higher risk. And they actually list out, you know, the level of risk in different places. Or you're just going to your typical vacation. It's worth it to get the alerts because in this day and age, you never know what's going to happen. And it's better just to kind of, for them to know where you are and you to know what's going on. So that's a really, really big thing. Um, And then it's also, you know, figuring out what your kind of emergency kit is. So whether that's, 
you know, medication. Like my mom's a doctor, so I'm a complete hypochondriac. And I always travel with, you know, some sort of anti-nausea pill, upset stomach, you know, some probiotics in case you need some traveler's relief, like all those little things just in case. So it can usually tide you over if it's a minor emergency. And if it's anything more major, you want to see a medical professional. But, you know, if you get road sick, you can kind of help out with that. And then it's also figuring out uh, what you need when it comes to visas. I think that's a big thing. Um, I had my own visa issue where I didn't actually realize Canadians needed a visa to Australia. And I was 22 going to visit a friend there. Got to the airport, couldn't check into my oh, flight. No. Luckily, it was one of those things you could just do online and I could do it in my very, very old phone that, you know, it worked. But for some countries, it's not as easy. And for right. some countries, it actually takes, you know, a couple of weeks and you need a longer visa. So I think just double checking that is a really, really big thing. And then your plugs and your converters, especially in this day and age, even if we're having a de- digital detox, we're still a little tethered. So you want to make sure you have the right converters. You want to have the right voltage. You also want to have converters that will kind of minimize when it comes to like larger devices. Like I was just traveling with a friend who plugged in his converter, plugged in a power cord because he saw it as a travel hack online to kind of hide a bit more, heard a pop it all blew out. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So oh, it, because it didn't have that, you know, that power bar that uh, is going to, you know, diffuse the voltage. It was a little bit too much. So you want to make sure you have all of that just because one thing on a power cord, we just threw that out, called it a day. But another thing, if that's your computer charger, if that's your phone charger, if that's anything that you really, really need. You are SOL. Where's your next trip now? So my next trip now is actually to Utah. I'm heading up there, uh, you know, to go hiking in Zion National Park. It's actually off season when you go in like, you know, the winter to some of those more summer destinations and the weather's still pretty temperate. So I'm kind of checking off those things off my bucket list without all the crowds of the summer and I can get a better photo. Nice. Lovely. Kaylee Aline, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy trails. So what have we learned from our time with Kaylee? What tips could we take away? Well, first of all, book the most expensive thing first, and that's often the flight. Secondly, don't overplan. Leave yourself open to serendipitous moments. And third of all, if this is something you really want to do, book it, book it now. Do it. That was Three Trips Ahead, brought to you by redtag.ca. Plan your perfect winter trip today at redtag.ca or call 1-866-5-RED-TAG. Thanks for listening. Subscribe for free and leave us a comment to let us know what you think. For updates on our show, you can visit FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or follow at FrequencyPods on Twitter. Three Trips Ahead is produced by Stephanie Phillips with help from everyone at the Frequency Podcast Network. Next week, we're going to be talking about packing clothes and stuff. Not heat. You can't do that. 